Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning. What a beautiful day it is in Colorado. The sun shining. There was a little fog this morning, but it burnt off. And it is going to be a beautiful day to get out. So I hope you are headed out there. We have a lot to cover today. Um, before we even get to the show, though, I want to make one quick comment. Uh, if you read my uh column in the Denver Post this last week, you'll know that Fishing Has No Boundaries is doing their event down at Pueblo Reservoir next Saturday, the 15th. And this is a great cause. This is where you show up with your boats and you take disabled kids out fishing for the day. I mean, wheelchairs, kids in crutches, kids that are from disadvantaged homes. Well, this year they have more kids signed up than they have volunteer boaters. So if you've got a if you've got a boat, even if you're not an expert angler, you don't have to be. They're going to give you resources. But if you've got a boat and you could go out next Saturday to Pueblo Reservoir, go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. All right, and scroll down to my uh, link to my uh, column in the Denver Post. All the contact information is there. I did this a few years ago. I took a young man out in a wheelchair. And it, I'll tell you, the experience was not only great for him, but it was life-changing for me. And you've just got to, if you've got some time to give, they need the boats, let's help these kids. So go, go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook and look for the Fishing Has No Boundaries link and uh, take your boat down there and take some kids out. We're going to talk a lot of fishing today. We're going to talk some hunting, some shooting. We've got a full show for you lined up today. But I want to get right to the phones right now because joining us, uh, somebody who actually our paths have been intertwined for many, many years. He had a tremendous influence on my fishing career. And if I think that, Mr. Al Linder, if I was going to read your uh, resume or go through your accomplishments, it's only a two-hour show. We wouldn't get to what we want to talk about. <laughs> I appreciate that, Terry. By the way, your intro, when you just talked about the weather, it was a carbon copy of what I'm looking at right out my window here. You well, know, beautiful day. When I get off the phone with you, I'm booking the boat up, and I'm going bass fishing. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm getting on an airplane, and I'm going to be in your backyard this afternoon. I'm going, oh, fantastic. I'm going fishing up by the Grand Rapids area. I'll be flying into Minneapolis and driving up this evening, then hitting the water for a couple of days. That's one of the prettiest places in the state. When I when I got out of the service and looked for a place to when I decided uh, we want to live in Minnesota the rest of our life, meaning my brother and his family and I, uh, we we boiled it down. Grand Ra- it was down to Grand Rapids, Alexandria, or Brainerd, and, and I still think Grand Rapids is one of the, the offers some of the finest fishing opportunities in my state right now. It's still a beautiful place. Well, I spent the first uh, 30 years of my life there, uh, Hibbing, graduated from Hibbing High School, and I go all the way back to remembering the first copy of In Fisherman, where you, no matter when you signed up, you got that same copy that went through. I got a, I got, before we get to what we want to talk about, we got some great topics. I got a comment on my Facebook page today of, that you were going to be on, and the, this gentleman came on. He said, he said, the FLP system, which was fish location presentation. He said, not only did it change my fishing life, he goes, but it applied, I applied it to my dating, he goes, and I've been married for 50 years with three wonderful sons. So. <laughs> 
I haven't heard that one before. I love it. Yeah. Well, for you folks that don't know, let me tell you, we're talking to a legend, Al Linder. He founded the Fisherman Organization. He's gone on to have Linder Media. You founded a tackle company. Um, he's a successful tournament fisher. If I remember right, Al, from those early days, you were the first guy north of the Mason-Dixon line to win a BASS event. Yeah, yeah. In those days, we were one of the first. Uh, just a little side side comment uh, uh, to go to the Bassmaster Classic last year. Seth Fighter, if anybody followed bass, is a Minnesota boy with a Cinderella story, and he went to the classic. The last one that fished a, a Bassmaster Classic from Minnesota was me, but like almost. 35 years ago. So yeah. I was cheering Seth on in a, bi- in, in a big way. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> now, we're going to cover some topics today. You've got an event coming up about careers in the fishing industry. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute for a while. And then I'm going to keep you on and prize some fishing tips out of you because to have you on and you and I not to talk fishing after all the years um, would be, a, a, it'd, it'd be remiss on my part. But we're talking now. You've got an event coming up, and it's about careers in the fishing industry. And, you know, I want to reflect back a little bit. You and I have been doing this. We've talked before a long, long time, and it was certainly different when we started. Oh, the opportunity. There's way more opportunities today than there was when you and I got into this game. And just to give you just a few examples, uh, tournament fishing was just starting uh, a relatively new one. We got in, involved in the game. Uh, uh, media was pretty simple at that point in time. There was not a lot of outlets like there is today. There was more sporting goods dealers, dealerships today, independent dealerships. The marine business is on fire because of the economy. Social media has opened up opportunities that were never there before. Part-time jobs in the fishing industry that eventually, for a lot of people, lead to full-time careers is all over the place. Look at tournament. When we started, there was a few tournaments. Today, there's walleye tournaments, catfish tournaments, crappie tournaments, bass tournaments, smallmouth tournaments, musky tournaments. You name it, there's tournaments everywhere, and many people are following them on local regional, and even national events. The media business has changed drastically. The two stable factors is television and radio. Their need in the marketplace is still there. Print has suffered a little bit, and that money went to social media. And it's kind of, kind of got divided between those two elements. But the social media area today, there's jobs, many, many, many jobs that weren't even there a few short years ago, and there's still opportunities. People are looking at opportunities in social media and creating their own uh, 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 their own jobs, so to speak. So it's an exciting time. If anybody is thinking of a way or dreamed about getting in the sport fishing industry in any way, shape, or form, there has never been a better time. Well, and there's even a still further number of jobs that you didn't that we're going to discuss as we get into this. I mean, become a park ranger, a state. Department of Natural Resources or wildlife uh, officer or a biologist who works on the fisheries uh, become a, a manufacturer's representative. I mean, those are some really we we both know a number of those people and they're great people. There's there's good retail opportunities with some of these larger chains even that you can work up into management and have a very significant career. And I like what you said earlier that there's some part time because some people 
are going to go to school and they're going to work their way into the industry from the bottom and, and dedicate their life and they're going to pay some dues. Others may dip their toe in the water and see how it goes. And I think that's kind of the job, the way that, you know, back when we were young, you dipped your toe in it and then you thought, I can make, can I do this? And you jumped in and held your nose and hope you didn't drown. But, but, <laughs> but now you can, now you can actually dip your toe in it and transition. So tell us about the event and what you're going to cover. Well, the workshop, the idea behind it was to expose people, anybody that had a tug at the heart to want to maybe make a living in the fishing industry. And the first thing you have to do is learn what the fishing industry is about, because very few people that are thinking, they don't know. That's what the Fishing Careers Workshop is about. We've got 12 gifted speakers from many different segments that make up what we refer to as the the sport fishing community. And it's It's the tackle end of it. It's the marine end. It's tourism. It's uh, the natural resources, the media. All of us are linked together. And there are so many jobs available at at corporate levels, as independent levels, small tackle distribution areas. Some of the speakers that we got this year, outdoor writing, retail, tournament angling, social media promotions, pro, pro staff, guiding, which is off the charts, as I said earlier, the marine business, because of the economy, is skyrocketing. In a marine dealership, what do you, you need a mechanic that knows how to keep motors operating. You need people that know how to sell. You need uh, uh, people that know how to rig boats. Uh, people with different kind of skills are, uh, are needed at every level of this business. And the purpose of the Fishing Careers Workshop is to inspire inform and direct somebody when if they have a desire you've got to understand how this business works so each one of these speakers will share their life story how they got to where they are today and the skill levels that it takes to do what they're doing there's never been anything like this terry if you and i had this opportunity when we started We'd have been tripping over each other to come to something like this. We might, I might even been successful. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that 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 people will be uh, uh, from last year's event, the feedback that we got was they never realized the uh, opportunities that were there and 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 the direction that, that that you could take, and that the entrepreneurial spirit is what still drives the sport fishing business. It's at the heart of it. Even with consolidation and, and that has impacted uh, our industry in the form of uh, a media distribution, tackle distribution, consolidation, like many, many things has, has impacted it to a degree. But it is one of the few businesses today that if you got the entrepreneurial spirit, want to work hard, you can make a living in this industry. Fair warning to everybody. If your goal is to want to be a zillionaire, don't come in a sport fishing industry. Go to Silicon Valley, spend 30 years years of your life in a cubicle in hopes that you could take a one-week vacation and go outdoors. If you love to hunt fish and love the outdoors, want to be with great people, have control over a life that when it's wrapping down, you can say, that was well-lived. I did it my way. This is, this is for you. That's the beauty of this business, the outdoor recreational business. In this case, we're talking about fishing is a lifestyle that is not, not that you can't make a comfortable living. You and I have been blessed. We made a comfortable living. I know many people that have. 
in there, but it is not the kind of industry that you go and say, I want to make a zillion dollars by the time I'm 35 years old and retire. That ain't going to happen in this business. It is a lifestyle business, and you got to love it. Well, and you know what? I, you mentioned two things that, I, that really has to come out of this. And if you're going to go to this, one is that the passion for being outdoors or being involved in the outdoors, you still got to remember it's a job, but you, that passion is going to help drive you. And then it takes hard work. You know, a lot of people see you or I, they see us on television or they read something we've done and they think, wow, you know what, wouldn't it be nice to do that? Like my neighbor, he, <laughs> my neighbor, I told him, I said, you know, I should retire one of these days. And he goes, how do you retire from fishing? He goes, isn't that what you do when you retire? He goes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but it really does take hard work, Al. That is one of the keys. But if you work hard and it involves your passion, it doesn't seem so hard. No, it isn't. It, yeah, 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 you know, and, and the other thing, this is not uh, to be successful in this business. In in most cases, this isn't a, a, a nine to five job. You work sports shows on the weekend. Weekends again, the hours are immense. You're doing things at night, but it is a lifestyle. You have to understand and appreciate that passion. You are supporting a lifestyle, and in many cases, you have to do two or three or four things that help support that lifestyle. Uh, yeah, 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 you know, it, it isn't necessarily just one thing. You, you make revenue or generate revenue doing two, three, or four things. If you're a pro staffer for a particular company, you work some sports shows in, in the winter months for them. You work with a rep if you're needed for that. Uh, if you have some writing skills, you could write for a local newspaper. There's always needs like in your business. Radio is an, one of the most stable parts of the media that still services the sport fishing community, just like TV does. TV is very expensive to play in. And, 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 but uh, the needs are there. Every there, there's a need at every level. The jobs that we're talking about uh, at, at at the workshop are available in every state. Some states there's much more uh, availability. My home state is an example because all the water and resources we have here. A company called uh, 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 Southwood that does a lot of research. They said there's thirty five thousand five hundred jobs related to fishing industry in the state of Minnesota. I'm going to say that again: thirty five thousand five hundred in my home state of Minnesota. Now we got a lot of lakes. The natural resources are immense. We have a lot of resorts. Uh, fishing camps, uh, the the DNR, the natural resource, our, our, our uh, uh, fisheries management people are abundant. There's a lot of jobs there that uh, make that up. We've got major companies that live here. Al, Al, I'd like you to tell people when and how they do this, and I'll put you on hold, and they want to come back, and I want to get some fishing tips from you, and then we'll give out the how you can attend this seminar again. But why don't you tell sure. people how they sign up, where, when it is, how they sign up, and then when we come back, we'll have a few fishing tips for them, and then we'll give them the information again so they can get a pencil. Hey, if you're interested at all, all the just go look at punchoffishingcareersworkshop.com. It tells you everything you have to know. Again, it's fishingcareersworkshop.com. The event is October 27th. It's an all-day crash course. And uh, you will walk out of there learning something, I promise you. All right, my friend, I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to come back, and I'm going to pry a few fishing tips out of you. <laughs> okay, looking forward to it. All right. 
You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage Special Circumstance Lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web, 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage License by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 1200716. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, presented by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We are speaking with legendary angler Al Linder. We've been talking about these uh, careers in the fishing industry workshop. Al, we'll get back to that in just a minute, but I'd be remiss, my listeners, to have one of the most legendary and accomplished anglers in North America on the show and not get a few fishing tips and talk a little bit about how to go out and catch a couple fish. I'm game. So, you know, we're headed into the fall here. And one of the most, in fact, I wrote about this for when you were still at In Fisherman and I was writing there way back in the 90s. In fact, it's in the Critical Concept books and walleyes about using uh, spoons in the fall as the, the forage like the shads tend to start schooling up. Now, you're seeing spoons, you're seeing jigging wraps. Is that a technique that you apply quite a bit? The jigging wrap I use a lot. And uh, uh, jigging spoons... Is still, you know, it's been around a long, long time uh, uh, for bass, stripers, walleyes, and in market in many, many markets, it catches a lot of fish. But a jigging spoon and a jigging wrap are a little different. But the principle is ripping it off the bottom, letting it fall back. It's, it's a triggering bite. It's the complete opposite of say, uh, let's say we're talking about walleyes. It's just the complete opposite of dragging a live bait rig on a slip sinker with a, a, a night crawler, a leech, or, or a minnow on the back where you fish very, very slow, and a live bait becomes the attraction, and a fish has time to come in, look at it, sniff it, follow it before it decides to bite. The jigging spoon or a jigging wrap is what we term a reaction bait, uh, uh, and it triggers a fish. It, it, it's like the, 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 the cat uh, 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 the cat and the mouse game. Game. A quick reaction makes fish bite, and that's what these these type of baits do. And when you pop it really fast off the bottom, and it comes flying back or fluttering back, that fish just reacts. It, it, it's a natural instinct in any any type of predator, and he just swings and just instantly inhales the bait. And it's a deadly way to catch fish when you understand how to do it. And it's a lot of fun. I love fishing these reaction baits for any kind of fish. Well, and you know, for probably going back 10 or 15 years, there was a lot of guys on the tournament trails fishing these baits. And people were still talking jigging spoons and blade baits, which are still effective. But the Mm -hmm. jigging wraps, a lot of guys were catching a lot of limits of walleyes, but not telling them exactly how they caught them. The secret started getting out. I'd say the last... Five to eight years. Five years. Yeah, yeah that the years. jigging wrap, the Johnny Darter, all these type of baits uh, have just taken off. And, and they're effective year-round when you find fish that maybe are in a neutral mode, that are kind of on structure where you can locate the fish. And you can even do a little bit better search job than, like you said, with a leech and those type of presentations. What are some of the mistakes you think when people make when they're presenting a jigging wrap type lure? 
The, the best advice I can give you with a jig, jigging rap, and, and having done this for a long time and, and played with every elements of rod, reel, and line, and, and I can't say enough about the line. Most guys still till today, when I get emails or anything about, about it, they said we tried it. Most of them are using braid with a fluorocarbon leader. That's what they're doing. You're going to lose a lot of fish. It ain't going to make a difference in the strike. The, you need to have, if, if you fish, if, if you use monofilament, which is my recommendation because of the stretch, you will land way more of these big walleyes uh, uh, than you will with a braid and a fluorocarbon that has no stretch. The hooks on the bait, the design of the bait and everything are smaller by nature. You have to fight the fish uh, uh, very slow. Almost a lot, not as slow and painful as you do with lead core, and, and you can fight it a little faster than that. But the idea is if you try to beef that, that fish like you would on a regular jig, you're going to tear those hooks out. And you need the forgiveness of the mono and a softer rod. You, can, you know, both of them are a combination, and you will land way more fish. I also would tell you, put a barrel swivel on there, you'll eliminate some of the line twist a little bit, 15, 18 inches above the bait. It'll help improve, especially if you do a lot of casting. Uh, because when you cast, if you throw in the wind, the shape of these baits, for whatever reason, they like to spin a lot. So put a barrel swivel on it, and I, you will land 50% or more of the fish that you hook if you have monofilament instead of braid. Well, and you want and to keep... Yeah, you need to keep a tight line with these kind of lures. You mentioned it. These lures are fairly heavy for their size with small hooks. Right. You get any bit of slack, and they have just a great opportunity to throw that lure. And this is a presentation that's used to be an ice fishing presentation, and now it's coming on, and it's not only a late fall presentation. I'm seeing guys use it year-round and do some awful, awful lot of damage to some fish with it. It's a great presentation. Al, before we run out of time here, I want to get back to the event. Um, the very Tell people again. Again, how they register and how they get to where it's at. If you have any interest in, in the fishing industry, part-time, full-time, and want to know more about it, just punch up fishingcareersworkshop.com. It'll tell you all about the event, uh, uh, who the speakers are, where you could room, the lodging is packaged in there, uh, uh, lunch comes with the event. It tells you everything on the site. Again, it's just go to fishingcareersworkshop.com and it'll answer all your questions. And, you know, it's... It, like I said earlier, it was so different when you and I started out. And we've been, in a way, blessed that we've been through a revolution in the fishing industry where we've seen organizations come out and we've seen opportunities develop. And we're seeing so many, you know, the number of quality, educated anglers out there is growing so much. I'd like to think we maybe had a small part in teaching a few of them, Al, but it certainly has changed since you and I started. Quality of the angler today is unbelievable, and uh, you know I, I've been fortunate enough to fish with some of these high school kids now, and these high school fishing teams, this phenomenon that sweep sweep in the country. And when I've gotten I get in a boat with somebody sixteen, seventeen year old, and see how good they are, it is amazing, amazing. When we started, that the, the, the percentages of what you and I would consider really skilled anglers were quite small and they were in different pockets of the country that had the passion and the skill levels to develop it. And our job as we you know, exposed and told people uh, how to find and catch more fish 
in the media business that both of us have been most of our life and, and shared that information. Uh, I'm pretty sure we had a part to play in this, and I'm thankful for that. To get this sport to where it is today, we were influential in it, and hey, we're still, we ain't hanging our head up yet. We're still, we're still a little active in yeah. doing that. But the next generation, uh, particularly you're seeing it at this high school level, this is the generation coming. And what, what this sport is going to be 30 years from now is going to come from these kids that are involved at this level and have a passion for what they're doing. I'm excited to see. Uh, 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 what what is happening with the youth and recruitment today? Oh, it, it's fantastic! By the way, one more time, uh, the the website for the information: fishingcareersworkshop.com. Hope to see some of you there. I guarantee you, some of you that are listening from that part of the world, it's worth the trip in the day. It could be life changing for some of you. All right, my friend. Is as always, it's so great to talk to you. And uh, sometime we got to get out in the boat together. I, I I didn't realize you're coming up there. You, you know my good friend Tom Newstrom in Grand Rapids. I know him. Yes, I know Tom. The, uh, are you gonna Are you gonna be talking to him or seeing him while you're up there? I don't know. Greg Clausio and I are gonna spend some time in the water. We have a habit of sneaking away to some small lakes and just reminiscing while we catch a few fish. <laughs> you're in a good a good place to do it up there, and I can relate to that well. All right. <laughs> okay, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Al. We'll talk soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Ellender, legendary angler. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right to the phones where we are joined by Matt Eckert from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and we're going to talk about chronic wasting disease. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Terry. How's it going? It's going good. It's a beautiful day out there today. I don't know where you're calling from today, but gosh, it's gorgeous. I love this time of the year in Colorado. The weather stabilizes. You know, we've got hunting, we've got fishing, we've got camping. There's so much to do out here. It's a great time, but that doesn't mean we don't have uh, issues that have to be dealt with along the way. And chronic wasting disease is one of those. Why don't you give us a little background on the disease? Well, CWD is an always fatal neurological disease found in species of the deer family. And for Colorado, that means mule deer, white-tailed deer, elk, and moose. This disease attacks the brains of infected animals, and it causes them to lose their motor function. So they lose track of their basic needs to live, such as eating and drinking. And eventually, they become emaciated and die. And in the late stages of CWD, infected animals are literally wasting away hence the name chronic wasting disease. And it takes about two to two and a half years to kill the animal, the host animal, once it becomes infected. Right now, over half of Colorado's deer herds and over a third of our elk herds have some level of infection. And for moose, only two of our nine moose herds are infected. And and when you say infected, that doesn't mean that people need to fear that there's any any of these animals would have the disease. That just means there's been some degree of infection, some worse than others. And how has it impacted? I mean, are we seeing are we seeing it impact our management of the herds a lot, or how we approach hunting? What what has been the impact? And what is there? Do we have a percentage of animals we think are infected? It it ranges throughout the state, and in most herds, our percentage is less than one percent. And last year, we did some mandatory testing of chronic wasting disease in six different herds. And we found that 
And in some of those herds, one of every 100 deer, and that's adult bucks, are infected. And some of the others, one out of every 10. And in the worst case scenario, one out of every seven adult bucks was infected. Now, in order to manage that, and we're going to get to this, but you use you need to understand and you need to do testing. And obviously, because it takes so long to kill an animal for the disease, it, it, testing animals that are harvested during hunting are one way to get a better feel for it. And we'll talk about how you use hunting to manage this in a minute, but you're going to use hunting right now, again, with mandatory testing. Tell us what's involved there and what the hunters need to know. So about 8,000 to 10,000 hunters, depending on the year, will get a letter in the mail, and they are included in the mandatory testing effort. They are required to submit their, and this is only for adult bucks, they and during rifle seasons, they are required to submit their deer or a sample of their deer head to Colorado Parks and Wildlife for testing. And we will provide that result within three weeks so they know whether whether that result is positive or not. And those results, when you put them all together, give us a very good understanding, a reliable estimate of the disease in those herds. Now, when you talk about the disease, before we moved on, move on to how you would then use that information to manage and help control, um, is there a danger to human beings from chronic wasting disease? Well, to date, there has not been a single case of chronic wasting disease reported in humans. However, there might be a small risk from eating meat from infected animals. This is because chronic wasting disease is in the same family of diseases as mad cow disease and CJ disease, and these have been found to infect humans. So we want to be precautious, even though we haven't seen any case yet found in humans. Now, if I'm not one of the mandatory testing, and that's just for um, um, male deer right now that you're doing the mandatory testing and only in certain sections. If I just want to know for peace of mind, can I get my, whether it's a, an elk or a moose or a, a deer, a whitetail, a mule deer, can I get it tested just for peace of mind? Yes, you can. Statewide, you can bring in your deer for a voluntary test. It costs $125 to, to know what that test result will be. And uh, those included in the mandatory testing effort, that's a free test. So they don't have to worry about paying for that. And this year, in the White River Herd in the northwest region, it's just units east of Meeker, they will also get a free test during for bucks during rifle season. And so you said it's $125 to test? Oh, no, just $25 to test. Right, because this, uh, you guys absorb a huge part of that test. What the cost? Uh, Yeah, yeah, the the uh, the agency subsidizes the cost. It's about seventy to seventy five dollars or so, including all the cost of test and to hunters. It's only $25 to do a voluntary test. And the voluntary tests are going to give you some feedback information, too, so there's nothing wrong with getting it tested for the peace of mind. Now, if you've you've identified areas that are more infected than others, how do you use hunting now to manage that, or do you manage it otherwise? What is the approach once you identify these areas? You're right. We're trying to maximize our ability to remove those infected animals at the smallest scale possible. We call these hotspots. If we can identify small pockets, these hotspots in the state that have high infection, we can increase the licenses in those areas in ways that will hopefully reduce the number of infected animals. That's one of the beauties of having a complicated licensing system in Colorado. 
And this is a great example of how hunters are serving as conservationists. Hunters are our best chance to prevent this disease from harming our deer herds. No, and it, you're just absolutely, absolutely right. And it's such a, a great, but if the ones that need the mandatory testing, you said they'll be notified so that they don't really have to be aware otherwise to check any kind of regulations, or should they check online? Well, the easiest thing to do is to check the big game brochure. And if you have a, a buck tag, take a look in the big game brochure, and it's it's shaded out in a green color online and in the hard copy. And also, I'll be sending every hunter included in mandatory testing a hard copy letter in the mail. It should be mailed the first week of October. Now, I think the last comment we'd like to make, and I think I hope you agree with me on this, and that's that um, is is devastating as this disease can be and has been in some areas of the country, we've been fortunate that it has been fairly well controlled and it's a small percentage of the population and we don't want to send out an alarm, right? Right. We're not in crisis mode. There's no alarm bells ringing. We do have some concerns in specific small pockets of the state and we're going to take some management actions or we're going to try to over the next few years. We're writing up a a management plan. It's called a CWD response plan. That's going to go out for public comment this fall, so the hunting public, the public will have the opportunity to read that and understand it and comment on it. Matt, thanks so much. This is all such important information because uh, big game elk uh, hunting, especially elk and deer in Colorado, are such an important part of our hunting culture here and the environment, and we have such great opportunities. I think it's great information. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. All right, that's Matt Eckert from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right to the phones where we're being joined by uh, Darby Shanks from Jackson Lake Reservoir. Good morning, Darby. Good morning. Is it, you know what, it's gorgeous here, and I can't help but think out where you are, it's even more gorgeous. Oh, absolutely. Beautiful out here. Yeah, you know, you know, and it stays beautiful out there even longer than it does here in the foothills. You know, we're going to talk about an event you got coming up, but let's tell people a little bit about the reservoir first. Tell them where it's located and kind of describe the park. Sure. Uh, we are located approximately, I would say, about 60 miles northeast of Denver. Um, we're about 10 miles north of Interstate 76 from the Wiggins Junction, exit 66. So we, when we're full, we start off in the spring about 2,600 acre feet. Um, we are at least five feet uh, below our elevation with our water. So um, right now, uh, last thing there, there was about four feet of water at the end of the boat ramp. So people were still able to get boats out this year. Um, we are an irrigation lake, so uh, we never know what our water elevation will be throughout the summer. So we always encourage people to call or look at our park condition. We try to keep that up to date weekly. Um, there's great fishing opportunities out there. Um, there's, we have wipers and we have walleye. Got some crappie and channel catfish. Um, it, so it's starting to pick up a little bit more in the evenings, you know, early mornings when it's still cool because um, it, it heats up during the day. It kind of shuts off fishing. Well, but it is a great fishery. We've talked about it off and on over the last, uh, we, we always talk about, you know, Jackson as being one of the go-to places. Great walleye fishery, great wiper fishery, and wipers actually coming on strong. I like the fact there's crappies and there's some bass in there too. So in the catfish, you think the catfish are an underused uh, resource there? 
I think they are. Um, we've had some nice ones pulled this year that were over 30 inches. I got to see three of them. Um, one was put back in. Uh, they didn't keep it, but it was it was a, be- a beauty for sure. And, you know, you've got some hunting opportunities there in the fall, too. We do. We do. With water still there, you know, it brings in the birds for sure. And, of course, today was opening teal season. Um, I know there was a few hundred birds out there. So limited opportunities, but there's some there's some areas that we get, we allow hunting in the state park. And then, of course, we got adjacent wildlife areas, the Jackson Lake Wildlife Area, located on the northeast corner of the lake. And then we also have the Andrake State Wildlife Area. Um, that one's encouraged with reservations only on weekends, Wednesdays, and legal holidays for that one. The other ones, like with the state park and the Jackson Lake Wildlife, it is open seven days a week, and it's first come, first serve. All right. Well, you know, you talked about the fishing earlier, too, and the boat ramp's still open. People can still get on but check, but it could the water could fall below that at any time. But you told me that they still catch a lot of fish, especially off the dam area there. They have been. Um, that's where I've been hearing quite a bit, you know, fishing opportunities. Of course, that in the boat, but uh, that's where I usually will send people for sure is towards the dam because at least you have a little bit of structure over there with the rocks. And now another thing you have out there, too, is it's a great recreation, not only fishing, but as long as you can get boats on, that's a warm water lake with lots of sand. In fact, I think for state parks in North America, you're one of the top 10 beaches in the United States. Is that right? Yeah, we were named a few years ago the top 10 and top 15 from two different locales. But yes, um, it's kind of like a sugar sand. I mean, it's it's kind of like you're at the beach. Oh, it really, it really is beautiful. And the last thing before we move on to your event, I've personally camped out there many years ago, and people think about driving east and it's just prairie. You've got a lot of trees there. We do. We have quite a few cottonwood trees. Um, and of course, we have those non-native Russian olives. So we are trying to um, get rid of those and, and plant others in in place of those. But yes, we. I would say we have a total of six campgrounds. You know, three of them have a lot more shade than the other ones, for sure. Um, Yeah, let's talk about your event now before we run out of time. I know this is something near and dear to your heart because you talk to me about it all the time. And and that's your your Dutch oven and chili cook-off. Tell me about it. So this is going to be our eighth annual cook-off, and it happens next Saturday. Um, We have a total of eight categories one that includes the cowboy coffee which is our people's choice award so if you like coffee come out at eight o'clock in the morning and try who's ever participating in that and then you can judge on it um we also have six categories that are dutch oven only and one of them is just for the youth and then the other five categories are for anybody so they go from main dish side dish desserts breads our wild game slash fish category. And, of course, we have the youth chef. And then uh, they, they get to do any kind of dish they would like. Um, and then we also have the last one is the chili. And that one's kind of um, open how it can be cooked. That one's the only one that can be cooked or prepared the day before. But all the Dutch oven has to be done on site. Um, it's free to the event. The only uh, thing you have to pay for is to come into the park, but to try any of the dishes. You can do that at 4 o'clock is where we open it to anybody to try everything. So you come in the morning, and if you want to just watch them cook and stuff, you could taste and judge the cowboy coffee, and you can get some of that. And then if you hang around or come later, you can taste uh, uh, all the different types of food that have been cooked in these. You know, 
it's not only tasting the foods because it's a contest and seeing who wins. If you do a lot of camping and you see some of the things they make in these Dutch ovens, it's going to open a new world of what you can eat when you're out there, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, anything you make at home, you can make in these Dutch ovens. So it's just, um, I'm learning all the time. So because it's, I always think it's, it's not a trick, but it's just, trying to figure out how many coals or if you use wood, how much wood you need to use on the top and the bottom of them. Now, is there still room for somebody who wants to compete or is that full? No, there's still opportunity. Um, I'll be, uh, they can always call the office and please ask for myself um, since I'm the one that's organizing the event and I kind of keep track of all of them. So, yes. You know, I Darby, I, I think there's a secret going on here, and I think that's that you love the stuff they cook in these Dutch ovens, and you love the chili so much that you do this out of a personal love rather than the event, because you get to taste all the food, too. Exactly. Yeah, and I don't blame you. It's, have you got some pretty good chilies that have come through there? Yes, yeah. Some, some, yeah, some are green chilies, and some are the, you know, your meat chilies, and some are your meat and beans. So you never know what you're going to get until they serve it up. I'll bet you there's quite a variety of heat in those chilies, too. Yes, there are. Well, it sounds like a great time. What a great reason to come out to Jackson Lake. You know, while you're out there, do a little fishing. The kids can play on the beach because it's still beautiful out there. You're going to have great weather. And it's just, uh, it's like going to a sandy beach and you can have some cowboy coffee. And then if you want to participate in the cook-off or just uh, or just have a little fun and taste the food after it's done, I'm sure there's information. Would the website or the Facebook page be better? Uh, there's both places, actually. So well, on our uh Website we have the I have the calendar event there, um, and then on the Facebook there we have the event up there as well. But I believe our form isn't working, so you just have to call me and I can email it, of course, to whoever would like it. All right, and one last thing, people need to know your campgrounds stay open year round. Yes, they do. We have a total of six campgrounds. Three of them will be closing here soon, but three of them uh, remain open year round. Um, and two of those are electric. Yeah, and so, you have some. Absolutely. You can get some pretty nice weather. I mean, you can get a snowstorm in January, but you can also get some sixty degree weather in the fall and the early and the late winter, and it can be beautiful out there. Yeah, yeah. Darby, thank you so much for joining us. That's awesome. Thank you. You bet. That's Darby Shanks from Jackson Lake State Park. Before we take a break here, I want to. I've been mentioning a few things during the show here, and they're on our Facebook page. If you follow Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, uh, you would know that Al Linder was opening the show with me today. And you'd know that next week, and you'll know it now anyway, but you'd know it on Facebook, that Steve Panaz is joining us next week to do some tackle talks from Lake Commandos. So we do a lot of special activities, and we show it on Facebook. A couple things on our Facebook page right now, though, I want you to look at. If you're a handgun enthusiast, you need to go look at the STI posting on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook because you've still got time to get down to Trigger Time Gun Club today and shoot these. These are two, three, four thousand $4,000 handguns that you can shoot by just buying the ammunition. You don't have to be a member. You can also try out the Trigger Time Gun Club uh, shooting lanes for just the price of the ammunition, but it only goes till 1 o'clock. So go down there. Look on my Facebook page, STI, or just go to Trigger Time. But if you need to look for more information, you can find out about the STI handguns on my Facebook page. The other thing is that's on my Facebook page right now that I want you to be aware of is that uh, Fishing Has No Boundaries is having their event at Pueblo Reservoir next weekend, the 15th. 
And this is an incredible event. They have volunteers bring their boats, and they take um, kids who are disadvantaged, mostly physically handicapped, but other disadvantages too, and they take them out fishing for a day. And if you get involved in this, I will promise you it will be a life-changing experience. I did this a few years ago, and you can read that story on my Facebook page. It's attached to my article from the Denver Post. So just go to Facebook page. You'll see the Fishing Has No Boundaries from my Denver Post column and click on that. If that doesn't move you to get down and volunteer your boat to make sure all these kids have a boat to go in, you have no heart. It just it chokes me up when I talk about it. Go to my Facebook page and just at least read that article. Pass it on to your friends. If you have a boat and you can get down there, help them out. They need more boats this year. They've got a ton of kids signed up. We want to make sure they all get out. That You'll find information again on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We'll take a time out and we come back. Matt Ensley will join us and we'll talk some more fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.